You're listening to audio from Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, located in Lebanon, Pennsylvania. We hope this message is helpful to you in your journey with God. For the live stream archive of our worship services, you can visit youtube.com slash cornerstonelebanonpa. Christian community is best lived out in face-to-face relationships with one another. We encourage you to physically participate in a local church setting within your area. Learn more about our faith community by visiting cornerstonelebanon.com. From Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. You can take a seat. If you are visiting here with us today, welcome. If this is one of your first times here, today's a little bit different. Uh, Today is what we call liturgy service. Uh, My name is Joy, and I'm one of the pastors here, and um, it's my privilege to lead us in this service today. In our liturgy services, we worship and explore a theme through song, through scripture, and through sacrament. Today we're going to begin with communion, and we're going to end with baptism. Some of you might have walked past, noticed the trough out on the front porch as you walked in. <laughs> so the scripture that we just read is happens um, before Pentecost actually happens. It's kind of like a review of what has happened so far as Jesus, after Jesus was raised from the dead and walked 40 days um, with the apostles. When we think of today, we're going to be celebrating Pentecost, literally, which is 50 days after Passover, or what we know as Easter. 40 days after Easter, Jesus ascended, and then 10 days after that, as we'll remember together, the Holy Spirit came just as Jesus promised. That day was full of wonder and mystery, fire and wind, unfamiliar sounds, In the scripture we read, Jesus commanded the apostles to not leave Jerusalem until the Father sent the gift that he promised. I wonder, have you ever had to wait? What kinds of things do you think about while you wait? How does it feel to wait? To me, it's one type of feeling to wait for something that's clearly defined, Maybe something that I've experienced before, like when I stand in line for Fahrenheit at Hershey Park. I'm excited. I know what that's... No, Matt's shaking his head. Not, an, not a feeling of excitement for him. I know what that's going to feel like, and I'm so excited. And I also have a clearly defined time, sort of, of how long it's going to take to get there. You know, you ask the attendant, how long is this line? Or you look on your app, it's going to take 30 minutes. So I'm going to wait in line for 30 minutes. I know what this experience is going to be. That's one kind of waiting. That's kind of fun for some of us. Sorry, Matt. 
and kind of exciting. When I have a pretty strong guarantee that this thing is going to happen, it makes waiting different. It's much harder to wait when we're not exactly sure what we're waiting for. Maybe we're waiting for something we've never experienced before, we've never seen before, we've never heard of before. It's hard to wait when we don't know exactly when it's coming. That, that package that you're so excited but you can't find tracking on, you just don't know. It's hard to wait. Is it coming tomorrow? Is it coming today? Is it coming next week? I don't know. It's really challenging to wait if we're not entirely sure the thing will happen at all, if we're questioning it. But the apostles were obedient. They waited. They waited together, and the Holy Spirit came. As we sing this next song, I'd like you to take a moment and consider waiting. Listen to our gift, the one who was given to all who believe on the name of Jesus, the Holy Spirit. He will lead you into all truth. As you ponder waiting, we're going to prepare for our first sacrament of the day, communion. You can make your way. The table is set up in the back to gather the elements and bring them back to your seat, and then we'll partake of them together after we sing. The table is open. Justin recently sent out a survey asking for feedback on a couple of items. When we processed the responses as a staff, my heart was heavy that so many of us responded that we lacked joy in our lives. I've been praying for you. I've been asking God, how can I help these loved ones embrace the goodness and mercy of the Lord that brings joy? In Ephesians 1, 7 through 14, it says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God. For he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were first, the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so that we would praise and glorify him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We are waiting together as the people of God, for all to be made right. Throughout our lives, our God has always done what he said he would do. He has never failed to keep his promise. Sometimes we don't quite understand. We get some of the details wrong or our timing is off, but he is always true. We come to the table today in part to remember and to remind each other of his faithfulness.
As we remember, we are thankful and filled with joy at all he has done. We know what he's promised, although to us mortals, eternity is shrouded in mystery and wonder. We know that we're united with Christ and have received a glorious inheritance. Maybe you question this given the current circumstances of your life. Maybe you think, where's this gift? Everything I have, I've worked for. Or perhaps your circumstances lead you to ask, where's this glorious inheritance? I certainly don't see it. As we wait for God's supreme plan to be completed, for all to be made right, we have the Holy Spirit as a guarantee that God will once again fulfill his promise and uphold his covenant with us, sealed with the blood of our risen Lord. This guarantee frees us to wait upon the Lord with joy. Our joy is not based on our present surroundings. Our joy is in the Lord, the certain hope of things to come. Let's take the cup and remember that our inheritance was bought by the precious blood. I cannot tell you when we will enter into the age of the new heaven and new earth. I don't have a date in my calendar for this. When tears will cease and pain will be no more. And love will win. But just as God mapped out the perfect times for his people throughout the story of humanity, just as we saw 50 days, 40 days, 10 days, 7 years, as we've been seeing as we've been reading through the scripture together in our connect groups, God always does the right thing at the right time. That's what the scripture reminded us, at the right time. How do we hold joy while we wait? We receive our daily bread from the one who is our life. We come back again and again for the manna of God's word, the sustaining and nourishing living word that comes from the breath of God. And the spirit will lead us into all truth. Let us take the bread and remember the dailiness of God's presence with us. To seal this portion of our gathering, I'd like to read a quote from a book that I read recently on the Spirit. The normal condition of the Christian life is one of inexpressible and glorious joy, in spite of the fact that we are also grieved by many kinds of trials. We do not ignore the realities of sadness and suffering, but we stubbornly proclaim that they do not have the last word. At my dad's funeral years ago, I requested that Psalm 118 be read. In that psalm, we find much joy right in the middle of much distress. The verse that I was clinging to was verse 24. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Some were puzzled by my choice. It seemed odd verse for a funeral. But my dad's days were numbered by the God who loves him, the God who was with him. Even the shadow of death did not separate him from God's presence. The kingdom is here and is coming. Death is swallowed up by life. Holy Spirit is in and among us. I'd like to read from Acts 2, 1 through 4. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit 
and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The word of the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. From the very beginning, the language used to name the Spirit of God is full of nuance and inference, breath, wind, sound, voice, fire, water. If you're interested, I've been diving into the, the Bible project is one of the videos we used upstairs in the forum today. They've started this, this project of going through the Bible and starting with Genesis. And their very first one on Genesis, the talk about the spirit is, is really cool. If you want to do like a really nerdy deep dive, it was really cool. <laughs> and all the different words and all the different nuances of that. But there are three things I'd like us to remember as we ponder the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. First of all, expect the unexpected. The Spirit of God does unimaginable things. We read this story from Acts chapter 2, and we wonder, how was it that this happened? Fire on people's heads? Buildings shaking? Suddenly speaking and understanding foreign languages? Pentecost was a, a Hebrew feast that was Thanksgiving for the first fruits. So all these people, millions of people were gathered in Jerusalem, lots of them from other lands, and they couldn't speak each other's languages to understand. And God was doing this new thing, and he wanted everybody to know about it. So giving them this ability was not a gift for them. It was a gift so that they could proclaim God's good deeds that they could proclaim the goodness of the Lord to everyone around them. God's gifts are for his glory. I wonder how small and predictable we've made our lives. What room have we left for God to surprise us? One of my kids and I were talking about the miraculous occurrences that we hear from other countries, healings and miraculous food and all sorts of, you know, crazy stories about God coming through. And they were asking, why don't we see that kind of stuff? We came to the conclusion that we don't leave a lot of loose ends in our lives. We like to tie things up. We have most things that we need to live. Food, water, a place to live, for the most part. If we're in a season of knowns, we're extremely, a season of unknowns, we are extremely uncomfortable. When we don't know what the outcome will be, we fear the worst. But this is also when we see God show up. How do we live according to God's spirit when we stay safe and comfortable? I think of Mike's teaching about following the Holy Spirit and going to uncomfortable places when God says, hey, ask that person if you can pray for him. Oof. But how cool then to see God do this unexpected thing. I just thought I was doing this weird thing and helping this person unload their groceries or helping this person or doing what God asked me to do or say some crazy thing to someone. And God does this unexpected work when we step out and follow him. This is the second thing I want us to remember. When the Spirit shows up, chaos turns to peace. Holy Spirit brings peace far beyond our understanding, far beyond what makes any human sense. This does not mean, however, that we don't experience emotion. It just means that we're held by something bigger and stronger than our emotion. As Justin has taught us previously, we're tethered to hope. 
Holy Spirit reminds us of that truth as he ministers comfort and peace to our pain. The third thing I want us to remember this morning is when you look and listen, you will see and hear. I've been interested lately. I live in the woods, have this little path I take to my garden a few times a week. I normally just kind of go about my business, and I've been interested lately in mushrooms. Tim found a pat, my husband Tim found a patch of morels a couple years ago, and ever since, I'm like, we got to find more of those. They are so good. I don't know if you've ever had morels, but they're delicious. So I've been on these forums and kind of learning about mushrooms, and it's amazing. This walk I take to my garden all the time, now all of a sudden, I'm, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that little mushroom. Oh, I never saw that before. Oh, look at that. Oh, I've never seen that guy. Mushrooms everywhere. I had no idea. I've been walking by these for two years and not even knowing these mushrooms are there because I wasn't looking for them. When we look and listen, we will see and hear. Some of you know that I'm hearing impaired. I wear hearing aids. When I got my hearing aids, a couple weeks after, I was sitting out in the, on the back patio. I heard all these birds. And they had probably been chirping, you know, for years, <laughs> right there, but I never heard them. I wasn't tuned into them. I didn't have the amplification to be able to hear them. Now that I can hear them, it's so exciting. There's so many birds. I have this new little app that you can just kind of push play, and it, like, hears the birds and tells you exactly what they are. And it's so cool, because I maybe recognize a cardinal and a robin, but now there's like 15 different kinds of birds right around my yard that I didn't even know were there, because this app is like tuned in to these birds and listening for their specific calls. When we look and listen, we will see and hear. Through our liturgy this morning, we're going to explore some of these common elements that spirit uses to describe and to manifest himself to us. He chooses to present his uncommon, unexpected movement in our world using our language, our familiar elements. Although none of these on their own can fully explain him, we can grasp some characteristics through taking a closer look at wind, fire, earth, and water. As we walk this journey together through song and scripture, ask Holy Spirit, where he would reveal himself to you. Where is he showing up in your life that you might be missing? As you reflect, where has he been faithful? Express your gratitude to him and your desire for more of him. Begin to tune your eyes and ears to his sights and sounds. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters. The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord upon many waters. So now, Cornerstone, especially in light of the last scripture reading we had, as far as the Spirit and water, we are going to move into a time of celebrating the sacrament of baptism. And we're excited. Um, I'm going to read a portion of scripture quick. This is one of the, the, the two ba- the sacraments or ordinances, depending on your tradition, that we specifically celebrate here at Cornerstone, the first being communion or the Eucharist, and the other being uh, to be baptized. Um, this is something that we believe that um, 
Jesus has commanded us to do. And um, baptism is not the end of your Christian journey. It's not like, oh, I got baptized, so I'm good now, and I can just kind of check out. It's really the beginning. It represents uh, the, the symbol of the new birth that the person has in Christ, uh, being washed, uh, being clean because of the reality of what Jesus has done for us in light of um, the Holy Spirit and the Father's love for us. So I want to read just a short passage from Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may have a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So part of the symbolism of baptism then is as Trinity is going into the water, we're symbolizing that she has died with Christ. That the old Trinity, the old self, no longer lives. And then as she comes up out of the water, we're celebrating that she has risen with Christ. And that she is a new creation. And this is a symbolism, that, but it points to something real. Yeah, let's, let's clap for that. So Trinity is not being saved in this act of baptism. But this sacred symbol is pointing to that spiritual reality that was hers when she confessed that Jesus was Lord and believed in her heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And so we celebrate that. Trinity has been on this baptism pilgrimage for like three, four months. It's awesome. She's been learning about a little bit about baptism, about who she is with Pastor Joy, and about the absolute need, cornerstone, that baptism is about the person, is about the individual, but it's about also being baptized into a family. That there is one baptism, just as there is one Lord and one Spirit and one Father over all. And so in a few minutes, um, Trinity is going to take her vows, um, let, letting her yes be yes. And I'm also going to ask you, Cornerstone, that those who feel led to also respond with a yes, if you really mean the yes, as I present the vow to you. So I'm going to, going to call um, Trinity up, enjoy. And Trinity is first going to, come on, you can come up. Yeah. Everybody, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's, uh, encourage her. Trinity is going to share a little bit about who Jesus is to her. Uh, and then um, if, if you are, as, as we partake in, we are part of this, we also remember our baptism. If you were baptized, you remember like you were baptized in a family. You're, you're recalling, you're remembering the spiritual reality of who you are now in Jesus, even if it doesn't feel like that. So yes, is this about Trinity? Yeah, kind of. It's about God. But then in the community of all of this, it's about God's family too, to help renew and remind us of our faith in Jesus. So Trinity, do you want to come up and share? Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He has never let me down or made me do anything on my own. He gives me strength when I'm weak and loves me 
no matter how much I've sinned in my life. He is my guidance and direction and has a plan for me. The Lord is the truth and the life. In Psalms 34.4, it says, I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from my fears. I know he is with me through it all, even if it doesn't seem like it. I know that God has the timing for everything that happens and it is perfect. When Satan says to hate them, God says to love, and I am following him now. I always had it set in my head that, well, I'm a Christian, I go to church, and I get baptized. As time grew, my sister got baptized, so I was thinking, oh, that means I will have to get baptized at her age, too. I always knew it was going, I was going to get baptized, and when I thought about it, it pressured me because I thought that if I don't do something right, I am not good enough. I could not fully put my trust in God. I knew God's timing was right because about two years after my sister got baptized, COVID hit. For a moment, I felt relieved. At that point, it felt like I could take my time to truly find God and not trick myself into thinking there was a deadline. This helped me because I knew I could take my time and understand and build a relationship with God. When school started back up in person after COVID, I was excited but also stressed. I was stressed about tests and homework, people who judged me, and struggling with being a perfectionist. At one point, I felt worn out, and it seemed like I had, to, I had to do everything on my own. When this happened, it took me a while to turn to God and put my trust in Him. Now I try to put my faith and trust in Him wherever I go so that God can guide me on my path, he, on the path He has for me. I changed my attitude towards things, and I wanted to commit to God and our relationship. I started to read more scripture, pray more, and just thank and appreciate Him for being with me always. I felt so close to Him and wanted to get closer. Then I remembered the verse, I am the truth, the way, and the light, and no, and no one comes to the Father except through me. John fourteen sixty one. 61. Um, throughout... Wait. It meant that I had to do that I had to be with Jesus and build relationship and it motivated me. Most people may ask for verse, I would always remember, but I have one in particular that I like the most in times of stress. Isaiah forty one through two says Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard se- that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now I feel that I am ready to be closer to God and build a relationship in times of trouble or fear. Trinity, do you believe that Jesus Christ is God who became a human being that through him and him alone would be forgive, sin would be forgiven and dealt with? Yes. Do you receive the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and trust him as your Lord and Savior? Yes. By God's grace, do you choose to turn away from all sin and do you commit yourself to endeavor with God's help to walk with Jesus in all things as a part of his church, learning from Jesus, and surrendering to him as his disciple? Yes. 
Cornerstone, even if you are a guest, would you please stand? Now, as I'm asking this, I'm asking this to um, Cornerstone, the body. Um, and this is not meant to be like a heavy burden. As I read this question to us, it's how is God calling you to do this? How is God calling you to support Trinity as a member of this congregation? There doesn't need to be this long, deep, five-year plan of how you're going to do that. It's an openness to the Spirit of God to listen to what he's saying as the family of God to help Trinity grow in Christ. Is that clear? So don't take this as a burden, but also take it seriously. Don't feel like you have to say yes to this. Let your yes be yes, and we're not asking for a no, but let your, let your no be no. To the saints at Cornerstone, do you commit to rejoice with, grieve with, grow with and worship with Trinity to whatever degree that the Spirit of God calls you as members of Christ's body? If so, say yes. Yes. yes.